In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start from verse 1, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you. So St. Paul started this chapter by asking this question, that do we need to commend ourselves to you? St. Paul was attacked in his ministry for some reasons. Number one, he did not see Christ on earth. So they told him, you are not one of the apostles. The apostles saw Christ and lived with him. Number two, because he was speaking against uh, keeping the law. So he was attacked from the Judaizers. Judaizers are Christian from Jewish background. And they were casting doubt on the ministry of St. Paul, mainly because he did not see Christ, and he said the law just was a symbol. I'm speaking about the tradition of the Old Testament. Just is a symbol, and not, we don't need to keep it. Circumcision was a symbol for baptism, sacrifices, symbol for communion, so we don't need to keep it. So St. Paul is telling them, do we begin again to commend my, ourselves? Do I need to commend myself and praise myself, defend myself in order to know that I am a true apostle of Christ? Do I need, some, uh, like some others, letters of, of recommendation to you? So do I need that Peter, James, and John write letter of recommendation to you regarding me? Or indeed, actually, you should write the letter of recommendation about me. You are my children. You saw my ministry among you. So when he said, do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you. Then he elaborated more about letter of recommendation from you. In verse 2 he said, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. When the people see you, they can see actually my epistle to the world, my ministry in the world my service in the world. You are my epistle. And you are written in my heart. As a father, I carry all of you in my heart. Like in the Old Testament, the high priest, he used to put on his chest the 12 tribe of Israel. So he is carrying them in his heart and also before the Lord as intercessor He's interceding on their behalf before the Lord. 
because you are my epistle, so when the people see you, they know my ministry. That's why he said, known and read by all men. Known and read by all men. But lest somebody misunderstand what he said that you are my epistle. So in verse 3, I'm not saying he corrected, but he elaborated more what he meant. Christ, sorry, Paul is the apostle of Christ. And the people are the epistle of St. Paul. So actually the people are the epistle of Christ. Because Christ sent Paul, Paul served these people. So in verse 3, he explained more. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. So what's our role here? Ministered by us. So we just uh, delivered the message from Christ to you. We are tools in the hand of Christ. We are servant to you, but you are the epistles of Christ, ministered by us. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablet of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of heart, of the heart. And here St. Paul starts to differentiate between the ministry in the Old Testament and the ministry in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God gave them the commandment. But he did not give them the grace or the power to keep the commandment. In the New Testament, we have the same commandments. No, actually, we have a higher level of the commandments. In the Old Testament, don't kill, don't murder. In the New Testament, don't get angry. In the Old Testament, don't commit adultery. In the New Testament, don't look bad in a bad way. So God actually elevated the commandment to a higher level. Why? Because we have the grace of God in the New Testament. So the commandment in the New Testament, in Old Testament, just ink on tablet or engravement, engravement on tablet. But in the New Testament, it is the Holy Spirit who wrote these commandments on the heart, meaning he pierced the heart of the believer, giving them the power to keep the commandment. So when God told me, don't lie, he gave me the power not to lie. So in the Old Testament, it is just engravement on tablet of stone, but you are an epistle of Christ written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that's of the heart. 
Why God give Moses the Ten Commandments on tablet of stone? Why he did not give him the commandments on paper? Why on tablet of stone? You know, when Moses descended from the mountain first time and saw the people worshiping the golden calf, he actually broke the two tablets of stone. The two tablets of stone actually symbolized the heart of the people. In the Old Testament, because the absence of the grace, the heart of the people was hardened like stones. But with the grace of the Holy Spirit, God changed the stony hearts into hearts of flesh. That's why in Ezekiel, he said, I will take from you the heart of stone and I give you hearts of flesh. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. So as if St. Paul, he is saying to the Judaizers, why you want to take us back to this ministry of the Old Testament where we didn't have grace, where we could not keep the commandment of God because of our hardened heart. Now we are in the ministry of the New Testament where the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is working in us and he changed our hearts from hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. When God spoke about divorce, the disciples told him, then why Moses gave them permission to divorce? And the answer was, because of their hardened heart. Some people argue nowadays, if God allowed divorce because of hardened hearts, then why in some situation, when we see a person with hardened heart, the church does not allow divorce? In the Old Testament, during the time of Moses, the hardened heart was not optional. Everybody has hardened heart. Everybody. Because of the lack of grace. The main difference between Old Testament and New Testament in one word is grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. But in the New Testament, if I have a hardened heart, it is my choice because I rejected the grace of God. If I allowed the grace of God to work in me, then my heart will change, will be changed from hardened heart into a heart of stone. In the Old Testament, no way you can make your heart heart of flesh. But in the, in the New Testament, just allow the grace of God to work in you, then your heart will be heart of flesh. That's why the Lord allowed the divorce in the Old Testament, because people have an excuse. Their heart is hardened heart. There was no grace. But in the New Testament, it is different. Verse 4, and we have such a trust through Christ toward God. 
is not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So now St. Paul is speaking why we have this trust. Why St. Paul trusts his service? And he is saying, I am apostle of Christ. He said, I have this trust through Christ toward God. Because how our relationship with God the Father? Our relationship with God the Father is only through Christ. God the Father has only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Only one. When we are united with the Son, in the Son, we are children of the Father. In the Son, we have this trust toward God. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, no one can come to the Father through me. So St. Paul said, in my ministry, I have this trust through Christ who called me and appointed me toward God the Father, who also made us, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything. My qualification did not come from my study, my degree, my understanding, my intelligence, my effort in the ministry, no. My qualification or my sufficiency is not from anything, from myself. But our sufficiency is from God. So who will equip me to the service, to the ministry? It's not my qualification. It's actually God. God made us sufficient. I like when we read in Ephesians chapter 4, God chose first, let's read together Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints. So God is the one who equipped us, who gave us the talent that we need. That's why if I am successful, St. Paul is saying, if I'm successful in my ministry, it is not because of my own qualification. Our sufficiency is from God. And I have this trust toward God the Father that he will equip me I have this trust because I am one with his son, Jesus Christ. So my sufficiency is not from myself, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Actually, if you are serving Sunday school, re relying on yourself or being wise in your own eyes, or thinking that you are sufficient of yourself, 
you will fail. But if you realize that your sufficiency is from God, you will be successful. Verse 6, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Then he starts to differentiate between the ministry of the new covenant and the ministry of the old covenant. Let me explain it first, because he mentioned actually uh, seven differences between the ministry of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, the starting point, you are a sinner. We are born sinners with the original sin. And you have a list of commandments. If you keep all these commandments, you will be righteous. But no one was able to keep these commandments. And once you break any commandment, it's done. You are under the sentence of death. That's the old covenant. That's why no single person was saved through the old covenant. But in the new covenant, Yes, we are born sinners, but in baptism and chrismation, now we receive the grace of God. We are righteous. So the starting point after baptism, you are righteous. And you received this righteousness of Christ as a free gift. Now you have the commandments. The commandments to keep this righteousness that you received it as a free gift. And while you are keeping the commandments, if at any moment you break the commandment and you fall, no big deal. Through repentance, confession, communion, you can restore the righteousness again and you will be righteous. So at any moment, Christ and God the Father sees me, I am righteous because of the grace of God. So St. Paul is saying, God also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. He qualified us, he equipped us. The first difference between the ministry of the old covenant and the new covenant, the old covenant is ministry of letter, the new covenant is ministry of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives the life. And this verse, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives the life, is one of the most misused and misinterpreted verses in the Scripture. When anybody doesn't like any verse in the Scripture, he will quote this verse. He will tell you, the letter kills, the spirit gives life. Don't take this verse literally, just take the spirit of it. But this is not the meaning of this verse. I like to explain to you the meaning of this verse because actually it bothers me when I see uh, uh, people who give sermons 
misused and misinterpreted this verse. As I told you, the commandment in the Old Testament are just letters written. Just letter. There is no spirit, there is no grace with this letter. But in the New Testament, the same letters are there. For example, love the Lord your God. In the Old Testament, just letters. Love, L-O-V-E, the Lord, T-H-E, just letters. Doesn't have power. But in the New Testament, because we have the grace, these letters are not letters. Each word has power from the Holy Spirit to pierce your heart, to transform your heart, to change you. The letters in the Old Testament condemn me. Why? Because I will break this commandment. So the letter kills. The letter, here St. Paul not speaking about interpretation of the verse. He's not saying literal interpretation of the verse kills, but a spiritual interpretation of the verse will give you life. No, St. Paul did not mean this. But he meant the commandment of the Old Testament, just engravement on some stones will kill you. Why will kill you? Because you're going to break this commandment. And once you break this commandment, you are under the sentence of this. But the same letters in the new covenant, because we have the grace of God, then the same letters will give you the power to keep the commandment. Even if you break the commandment because of the grace of God, through repentance, confession, and communion, you are forgiven. That's why he said, these letters in the Old Testament kills. You are under the sentence of death. But the same letters in the New Covenant, because they are anointed by the Spirit of God, will give you life. Because you are able to keep the commandment. And even if you break the commandment through repentance and confession and communion, you are again forgiven and gives you life. So please don't use this verse when you're speaking about interpretation of the scripture. This verse has nothing to do with the interpretation of the scripture. Nothing. It means the letter brings death without the spirit of God, without the grace. But the same letter, same commandments, with the grace of God, with the spirit of God, will give you life. That's the first difference between letter and spirit. Old covenant, new covenant. Second difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. But if the ministry of death, so he called the ministry of the old covenant ministry of death, written and engraved on his stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. So in verse 7, there are two more differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant ministry. The Old Covenant ministry is ministry of death. 
The new covenant ministry is the ministry of life. The old covenant ministry was glorious, but faint glory. Glory like of a candle. But the new covenant ministry is glorious, like the glory of sun. Big difference. Moses, when he descended from the mountain, his face was shining. That's why the people could not look steadily at his face. So he used to cover his face with a veil. Like right now, covering your face is kidding. He used to cover his face with a veil because people cannot look at his face. But in the New Testament, this is a passing away glory, faint glory, but this is like the glory of the sun. Why he call it the ministry of death? Because nobody was able to be saved after the old covenant. Can you imagine if you are a servant in the old covenant? So you are going to the people, telling them, here are the commandment. If you break the commandment, you will die. Then they will ask you, can I keep the commandment? Tell him, no, you cannot. So what does this mean? It means you will, you will die. That's the minister of the old covenant. That's why the prophecies came to give them hope that Christ, the Messiah, will come to deliver us from death to life. But in the ministry of the new covenant, you are preaching life to the people, not, not death. You are saying to the people, these are the commandment. You have the grace of God to be able to keep the commandment. And if you break the commandment, not a big deal. Repent and God will accept your repentance. When I'm saying not big deal doesn't mean go intentionally and break the commandment and then come and, and ask for repentance. I, I don't mean this. But I mean if you break the commandment out of weakness. So the first difference, ministry of letter versus ministry of spirit. The second difference, ministry of death versus ministry of life. Third difference, faint glory. It's like glory of, of candle versus glorious glory. Excellent glory, exceeding glory. Fourth difference, this glory is fading away, passing away, as he said in verse 7, passing away. But the glory of the new covenant is eternal. So St. Paul is saying, if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, just letters on stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of the new covenant, not be more glorious, not be more glorious. Then, the fifth difference, let me review with you. I told you seven differences. Letter versus spirit. 
death versus life, faint glory versus excellent glory, passing away glory versus permanent glory or eternal glory. Number five, he said in verse nine, if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. In the Old Testament, every single person was condemned. Breaking the law, you are condemned. Even if you are a child, baby, infant, born with the original sin, you are condemned. Anybody was condemned. That's why the ministry of the Old Covenant is ministry of condemnation. But the New Covenant is ministry of righteousness. We go to the people and tell them, come, be righteous, accept Christ, then he will give you his righteousness for free. Christ came and fulfilled all the righteousness, all the requirements of the law. Why? He didn't need to keep all the requirements of the law. But he kept all the requirements of the law. He prayed, he was baptized, he fasted. He was tempted by Satan. Why? Why he did all of this? So when I join him, when I am united with him, his righteousness will be my own righteousness. And he will give this freely to me because he loves me. Maybe some of you will say, why he gave us the old covenant? Why he did not start by the new covenant from the time of Adam and Eve? You know why? Because of our arrogance. What do I mean by this? If Christ started with the new covenant, we would have said to him, we don't need your righteousness. We can make ourselves righteous. So there is no favor. You didn't do any favor to us. Who told you that we need your righteousness? So God actually waited 5,000 years in order for all of us to say we cannot save ourselves, to realize this lesson that we cannot be righteous on our own. We need a savior. We need a savior. Then he came actually to save us. So it is a ministry of condemnation, but in the New Testament, it's a ministry of righteousness. Verse 10, for even what was made glorious, the old covenant ministry that was made glorious, had no glory in this respect. If we compare it with the ministry of the new covenant, then as if had no glory at all. Because of the glory of the new covenant that excels. What does mean? Let me explain it more. I told you the ministry of the Old Covenant, it's a glory like a candle. In darkness, this candle will give light. We will appreciate the candle very, very much. But when the sun rises, you know, the candle has no light. You look at it, there is no light in it if you compare it with the light of the sun. So, Let's read verse 10 again with this example in our mind. For even what was made glorious, the old covenant 
ministry that was made glorious, but it's a glory like a candle. Now, had no glory, this candle, as if there is no light in this respect. What this respect? Because of the glory of the new covenant, that it's like the sun that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, the old covenant ministry that's passing away was glorious, what remains the eternal ministry of the new, new covenant is much more glorious. Is much more glorious. And this actually what the Lord uh, revealed to us on the Mount of Transfiguration. Just glory of the new covenant ministry. Uh, verse 12 is very important for us as servant. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Understanding the glory of our ministry, this actually will be a great motivation for us to speak and to preach. Let me, Im let me imagine that I am giving you a message to, to go to deliver to somebody, to tell him, now the police will arrest you, and then the judge will pass a sentence of death on you, and you will be killed. That's old ministry, old covenant ministry. Compare this message with a person already condemned and under the sentence of death. Then I told you, God delivered this message to him that he will be released today. And the sentence of, of death was taken away. He will restore his freedom. He is innocent. All the charges against him will be dropped. He's not guilty anymore. Which one will be motivated to deliver the message? The first one who will deliver a message of condemnation, death, or the second one who will deliver freedom, innocence, righteousness to a person under the sentence of death. Sometimes, who are not motivated in our ministry because we don't understand the excellence of the glory of the new covenant. If we understand the excellence of the glory of the new covenant, as St. Paul said in verse 12, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. We use great boldness of speech. Verse 13, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So, St. Paul said this veil to cover the glory of the old covenant 
which is a faint glory and also passing away glory. But even this glory that's were very faint and passing away was covered with a veil to keep the people in complete darkness, in complete isolation. That's why in verse 14, but their mind were blinded. Even this candle was hidden. Even the glory, the light of this candle was hidden from them. So as if they are in complete darkness. Can you imagine if there is darkness here and then there is one candle, but you hide the light of this candle again. So the people as if they are blinded for their minds were blinded. And if you don't accept Christ, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. If you don't believe in Christ, the veil will remain. The veil will remain means you will continue in darkness. You will continue in uh, blindness. The veil is removed only in Christ. That's why we go and preach, believe in Christ. And sometimes I wonder when Sunday school servants come and ask this question. I know a friend of mine who is very good but doesn't believe in Christ. Would he be saved? How can he see the glory while the veil is there? The veil is taken away in Christ. There is no other name that can save us except the name of Christ. Many Christians, their faith in Christ is just a theoretical faith. Like when the James said, do you believe? Well, demons also believe. That's why, although they are Christian, but the veil is still there. They did not remove the veil. If they remove the veil, they will not see a candle like the old covenant. They will see the sun of righteousness to enlighten their light. But because of the love of money or love of pleasures or love of the world or pride and arrogance, the veil remains. That's why he said in verse 15, but even to this day, this day was after Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to the heaven, sat at the right hand of his Father. But even to this day, when Moses is read, when the law was read and all the prophecies of the Old Testament is read, that prophesied about Christ, still a veil lies on their heart. We need actually through repentance and returning to the Lord 
to remove this veil, to see the excellence glory of Christ, that Christ may be transfigured in our hearts and in our minds. We celebrate a few days ago the Feast of Transfiguration. This feast is not just a commemoration of event happened 2,000 years ago. The meaning of this feast, Christ wants to be transfigured in your life. His glory is your glory. That's why Moses and Elijah appeared in glory with him. But as long as we have this veil, we cannot be transfigured with Christ. That's why verse 16, the key, the answer here. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. As long as I'm giving my back to the Lord and walking away from Him, yes, I'm saying Christian, I am Christian, but my behavior, my conduct, my words, my thoughts is against the commandment of God. I'm giving my back to the Lord. Then the veil will be there. I cannot be transfigured. I cannot see the glory of God. But nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So what's our ministry? Our ministry, actually, to ask the people to turn to the Lord, that the veil will be removed. That they can see the glory of God. That they can be transfigured in Christ. Then in verse 17, he said, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. Uh, the Spirit, as the Lord said to Nicodemus in chapter, in John chapter 3, The Lord told him in verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of spirit. What does this verse mean? You know, the spirit, the wind, you know, are free. They can move in this direction, go to this direction. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. There is freedom. So everyone was born of the Spirit by believing in Christ and being baptized. He's like this wind. There is liberty. That's what St. Paul is saying. The Lord is the Spirit. Spirit is free. That's why when I am born of the Spirit, when I believe in Christ, I'm born of the Spirit, then there is liberty. So, in the Old Testament, uh, the ministry is ministry of 
is slavery. But in the New Testament, the ministry is ministry of freedom, liberty. I preach liberty to the oppressed. As Isaiah said about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, why it is a ministry of slavery? The Lord told me, don't lie. But I tried my best, but I failed. So at the end, who commits the sin is a slave of sin. So I became a slave of lying, murder, uh, cursing, slandering, all these sins. I am a slave of these sins. Can you see a man like David, a man after God's own heart, how many people did he kill in his life? He was a slave. David was not actually justified by old covenant. David was justified because he believed in the Messiah. That's why David went to Hades and remained in Hades till the Messiah was crucified. And then he was taken to the paradise. Because in the old covenant, even man after God's own heart was slave of sin. But in the new covenant, it is ministry of liberty. Then let's review, we said so far, six differences. Letter versus spirit. Death versus life. Faint glory versus excellent glory. Passing away glory versus permanent glory. Ministry of contamination versus ministry of righteousness. Ministry of slavery versus ministry of, life, uh, of liberty. The last difference in verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, when we turn to the Lord, when we are born of the Spirit, the veil will be removed. Then actually, we are beholding in a mirror, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Yes, the veil is removed, but still, here on earth, we are seeing the glory of God as in a mirror. But just beholding the glory of God, even as a mirror, it is so powerful. That's why we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. That's our transfiguration. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, when I read this verse, I think about someone who wants actually to have sun tan. So he went to the beach and actually he exposed himself for five minutes and he left. Can this person uh, have enough suntan? Of course not. What about he went to the beach, but all veiled, all covered, and he stayed for five hours. 
Can he have suntan? Definitely no. So in order to have suntan, there are two requirements. To remove the veil and to stay for a long time. So the spirit of the Lord, so the sun can transform you, can change the color of your skin. In the same way, in order to have the glory of God, he said, with unveiled face, we need to remove the veil, the veil of our sins. The veil is lack of repentance. The veil is lack of faith. That's the veil. When we believe, when we repent, when we turn to the Lord, the veil will be removed. But this is not enough. We need to behold the glory of the Lord. But don't worry, the glory of the Lord is so powerful. Even we behold it as in a mirror, but it is so powerful. And it will transform you from glory to glory to the same image. Which image? The image of Christ. So Christ actually we have his image in me. So the people who see me, they see Christ in me. As St. Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this is the work of the Spirit of the Lord. Many people don't like long prayers. Why in the Agbe you have seven hours? Why our liturgy are three hours? Why, why, why? Because the longer you are standing before God with unveiled face, the easier and the quicker you will be transformed from glory to glory. But if you come to God just for a few seconds with unveiled face, he cannot actually print his image on you. You know, even in our relationship, when you have a friend that you spend more time with him, you start to, to act like him, to think like him, to speak like him. Any one of us, without exception, in our body movement, in our language, we imitate our parents, we, we, either we like it or not. Why? Because we lived with them. In the same way, when you spend longer time in prayer with unveiled faith, nothing blocking the glory of God to transform you with a repentant heart, with a believing heart, then, although we are beholding the glory of God as in a mirror, but the Spirit of the Lord is so powerful. He will transfigure you. He will transform you from glory to glory to be in the image of God. We read about Saint Misael. He became anchorite. He reached this very high level of spirituality at the age of 17. 17 nowadays give us hard time. They are teenager and they are rebellious, they are stubborn. But Saint Misael the Anchorite 
became anchorite in the age of 17. You know why? Because with unveiled face, he beheld the glory of God for a long time. So God, in a very short time, was able, the Spirit of the Lord was able to transform him from glory to glory. That's why in this young age, he became uh, anchorite. Saint Athanasius, he wrote his book, Incarnation of the Logos. This book that until now, all the theologians from all denominations consider this book as the main reference to understand the theology of incarnation. He wrote it while he was 20 years old. 20. How come? Because with unveiled face, he beheld the glory of, of the Lord. So the Spirit of God transformed him from glory to glory to that image. But we don't like this. We don't like to spend hours in prayer. We don't like to spend the time in the church. We want everything just quick and run away. You will not have the image. You will not be transfigured. You don't give a chance to the Spirit of God to work on you, to transform you from glory to glory. So the seventh difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, that in the ministry of the New Covenant, the veil is removed, unveiled face. But in the Old Covenant, the veil remains. People could not behold the glory of God. Could not behold the glory of God. That's why no one was transfigured in the Old Testament. No one was transfigured. So these are the seven differences between the ministry of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Ministry of letter versus ministry of the Spirit. And again, please don't use this verse as a reference to the interpretation of the scripture. Has nothing to do with the interpretation of the scripture. The letter kills and the spirit gives life. Has nothing to do with literal in, in, uh, interpretation or spiritual understanding. Second difference, ministry of death versus ministry of life. Ministry of faint glory, ministry of excellent glory. Ministry of passing away glory, ministry of permanent glory. Ministry of condemnation versus ministry of righteousness. Ministry of slavery versus ministry of uh, liberty. Ministry of veiled face versus ministry of unveiled face. Now, since we understand the glory of our ministry, and since we understand that our sufficiency is not from ourselves, but from our God who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, then since we have such hope, we use boldness of speech. Since we understand the glory of our ministry, the glory of the message that we are delivering to others, then let us be bold in our speech, in our ministry, because we are preaching to the people life, glory, uh, liberty. 
spirit, spirit, spiritual life. That's what we're preaching to the people. So let's be motivated and use great boldness of speech. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.